Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. up everybody welcome into the college chaos podcast garrett ross jack mckenzie here with you and we are officially done with the regular season of the college football year it has been an interesting ride a lot of uh ups and downs i think you can make a case this has been the most um intriguing parody driven uh season that we've seen in quite some time, uh, the way things are shaking out right now. Um, you have a lot of undefeated teams still here, a lot of 11-1 teams in the mix. This would truly be the perfect year for the expanded college football playoff. Unfortunately, we don't have that, but my man, how are you doing this morning? Twisting it, getting it going. Yeah, sorry, I got to get that stuff tied on here. You're good. You're I, good. Hate, I hate it when it's loose. You are good. Yeah, you are and, good. Uh, it's my fault we came on about 10 minutes late, so anyone who was missing us, uh, blame me. You got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, period. Yeah, I've got a crackhead yelling outside the door. So if you hear anything, I there's that. I wasn't even talking about that, but, you know, it's not wrong. You know, it is what it is. Round hill. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What's with the voice? I don't know, dude. I don't know. Uh, it's been an interesting week. I've been t- yeah. pretty tired. So how was your festivities and how was everything? Oh, Thanksgiving was chill. Just, you know, stayed in town. Couldn't see family. I'm seeing family for Christmas. You know, they're yeah. so far away at this point. Anyway, what about you? It was good. It was pretty good. I got to stay at the house for the most part and be left alone. There was a couple of interruptions I didn't care for, but it is what it is. I'm more of a Scrooge-type individual. Just leave me the hell alone. Let me have my peace. But we shall see how that transpired. It was it was all right, though. It was all right. Did you get to watch much football over the break? You know, I did. Um, one thing, I was I was trying to watch the Texas and Texas Tech debacle, which was a complete massacre. Like, that was ridiculous, the way Texas just embarrassed Texas Tech 57-7 to in Austin. So I was trying to watch that, and I was kind of going back and forth with the Oregon game as well. Um, it was – I'm surprised the way both of those turned out to be completely just got out of hand quick, uh, as well as, like, the Oklahoma game. I thought TCU could – I picked TCU over Oklahoma. I kind of should have knew better with that one, but um, I was I was surprised that Oklahoma dominated TCU the way they did. Put up sixty nine on the Frogs, um, you know. But hats off to the TCU. They put up forty five as well. It was just kind of like an old school. I think that was the game that most people from who aren't familiar with the Big Twelve as of late would say, "No, that's Big Twelve football." Yeah, you know. Yeah, I really don't think people understand. Like, I, I feel like we heard that whole narrative almost reach its peak of, well, 
it's a big 12. They play no defense like three years ago when yeah. the defenses were actually starting to get solid and yeah. the offenses were not putting up 50 spots as often. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. And it, it, it's, it's crazy because like you start seeing the shift now where more conferences and everybody are going wide open. And a lot of the teams in the big 12 or while you still have some that are going wide open, there's, it's, there's more emphasis on playing sound defense and running the ball. It, it's just crazy how that has shifted. But Overall, I think it was an interesting week, especially in the Big 12. You had Farmageddon, which was uh, – I wish I could have watched more of that game. Yes. Like, I that wish I could was, have watched any of that game. Yeah, it was it, – it, that kind of paralleled with the Baylor game. We had to kind of watch that. You were at the Baylor game uh, taking pictures and freezing your ass off. How it was that? It wasn't that bad? No, it was not cold. Really? No. It, the rain was annoying, but it was like 50 and rainy. Like I guess that's better than the – Everything's I better taken than the snow. Yeah. I would have taken the snow. Really? Are you kidding? The 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 uniqueness of those pictures yeah. would have been awesome. Like just oh man, I'm so jealous of that. And I do want to talk about that game more. Yeah, uh, go into it. Because how the hell? I I need, I need to pull up this this uh, tweet that I saw over the weekend because it it illustrates perfectly how crazy and kind of stupid that game it was. So uh, Brad Debel, or Debel um, at Catfan28 tweeted, mm. strangest statistical game in NCAA football history. First downs, K-State 32, Iowa State 10. Plays, K-State 102, Iowa State 35. Mm. Possession time, K-State 42-12, uh, Iowa State 17-48. Third downs converted. Kansas State, 13, Iowa, 3. Turnovers. More turnovers, Iowa State. More penalty yards, Iowa State. Who do you think won the game? I mean, going off of that, it sounds, yeah. It sounds like Kansas State blew them the hell out. But no, Iowa State ripped off, what was it, four touchdowns of greater than 60 yards? Three with a freshman running back who hasn't seen the field all year. Like, it was, what the hell happened to Kansas State's defense? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that's one where they kind of – they they overlooked maybe I I don't really understand that because you were in a situation if you're Kansas State where you needed to take care of business while it was a a long shot that you were going to find your way into the the championship game in Arlington regardless that's a game that you needed to take care of it's always difficult to play in Manhattan uh, I, I think that was one where they should have just that, that all the dominoes were lining to fall in K State's favor, and hats off to Iowa State for going in there. Matt Campbell, uh, understanding the situation, relying on that freshman running back. Uh, I think it's more of a testament to the overall job that Matt Campbell and the Cyclones have done this year in general. Like you started off the season with, you're you're down without your quarterback and everything, and you're able to get. I don't know. I just feel like that was uh, the the icing on the cake for a good season for him in general, more so than what Kansas State did. Like, I don't want to take away from Matt Campbell mm -hmm. and that, but frankly, I see the game completely as a detriment to Kansas State's entire season. I'm sorry, but, like, in the cold and the snow, mm -hmm. you're supposed to be this grinded-out, well-coached, disciplined team, and you give up four explosive touchdowns, you get more like you win the turnover battle right. in the snow, and you still lose. I don't what know. What the hell are you doing? I think honestly, I I feel like it's all damn near perfectly summed up in I think it was uh, Sama's last touchdown mm -hmm. where 
uh, I believe it was number eight on the Kansas State defense. I forget his name, and forgive me. And I'm not picking on him as, like, the reason right, they right. lost. But man just goes and hits Sama in the back like he thinks he's going to knock him off balance. What about Sama's day made you think he was going to be knocked off balance? Nothing. Like, at all. Like, I, I don't understand. This is a snow game. You wrap him up. You drag him down. You live to fight another down because what the hell might happen in this snow? Like, I it just, it's like all of the coaching for that defense just went out the door the second a flake fell. I mean, that's, that's weird because you think those people would be, those guys would be used to that. They would embrace, like, being able to play in that and everything. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a mental error. I don't, I don't know. 35 points on 35 plays, or no, 42 points on 35 plays. That's pretty inexcusable, and that's uncharacteristic of what we've seen from them all season long. Yeah, so as much as I would like to say, like, oh, props to Matt Campbell, just like, you outcoached him, just like, yeah, you outcoached him, but I don't think it's so much on you being good as much as them being bad. That's fair. I mean, I, I think I you like could, Kansas yeah. State. I like that program. I I truly do. I just I am shocked. I am one hundred percent shocked by that result because that is not something you should ever have happen, especially when you've got a chance as slim as it might be to make it to the championship. I don't know if Oklahoma like their win fully eliminated right. them on Friday night, but still, you're playing for something. Well, I mean, no, I, I I understand where you're coming from on that. I just I think that's one of those where it's a rivalry game. Um, if you're Iowa State, you you might have put a little more preparation, or I don't not necessarily preparation, but you had more going against you. Like you're having to go on the road in that. I, I don't know. I think it's just more of a testament of, of what Iowa State was able to do than the debacle and the the failure of Kansas State per se. I mean, we, we agree to disagree. Yeah, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one. Uh, like, like I'm sorry. Some great individual performances for Iowa State in that game. I I just don't see how, frankly, I just don't see how any of that I can directly take back to Matt Campbell other than having his team in the right mindset, which that's something to be said. Right. I, I'm not trying to discount that too much, but again, I there are only so many ways I can I can I can carve this. Right. Well, I mean, you know, regardless, I, I think that's one of those where it's it's always going to go back and forth. I. Kansas State clearly has the better roster. They are the better team. I understand where you're coming from with that. I just in, in games like that, I kind of kind of go with giving more so a pass. Now, if that would have been, you know, Iowa State playing not a rival or something, it, it maybe the circumstances would have been different. But I don't know. We'll have to see. But regardless, uh, the clones took care of business and they're moving on to bowl eligibility and everything else. Uh, the other big game there was Oklahoma State and BYU. This is one where the Pokes had to win to clinch uh, a spot in Arlington. Dude, I don't – I I know Oklahoma State fans probably hate me, and that's cool. I don't care. Like, dude, but my this team is so inconsistent. Like, you, you had a bubble in the middle of the year, right? Like, you started off so terrible, and then you went on this three- or four-game run in the middle where you're like, oh, shit, we figured it out, you know, and everything, and then reality set back in. I don't know what to make of this team. I thought going down the stretch of the season, you had three of the new incoming schools that you were going to face. You had the perfect recipe to destroy those teams, and it took a miracle for UCF to get past UCF. Uh, once again, they didn't not a miracle to get past UCF. They got like, I mean no UCF got the shit yeah we beat the shit out of them. So it, I don't understand what the deal is here. I, I and 
yeah, they made it to the Big 12 championship. I still think it's fraudulent, and I think Texas beats the hell out of them. But what what are your thoughts on the Pokes? What are your thoughts on this win against BYU and kind of how they've handled the, the last part of their schedule? First off, I wouldn't say it's fraudulent they're in the Big 12 championship because no one else did anything, anything no, that's, to get better than that. Right, okay. Like, Oklahoma had the shot to beat them. They did. They didn't. Uh, Kansas State, like, frankly, frankly, not only did Kansas State lose to them, Kansas State fumbled the bag here at the end. Yes. And I'm not going to stop harping on that. No. <laughs> no. But my my whole thing, everything you're saying about how inconsistent and, like, how is this happening, why is Oklahoma State, like, struggling here and there, I don't see it as Oklahoma State. I see it as one thing for why they're struggling, two things for the inconsistency. Bowman? Bowman number one overall <laughs> for the struggle, for the inconsistency. I'll dive deeper into that in a sec. The other inconsistent, I think, is the defense. Um, they they just need to be doing a better job of shutting down something. Mm. Try and make a team beat you in one dimension. It just seems like, at least early on in games, I, I don't... Coaches have time and time again kind of been like, Halftime is for motivation, right. not for, like, schematic overhauls. So the difference between halves for this Oklahoma State team, like second half Houston, second half BYU, I feel like I have to back go back to those statements by coaches over the years of, mm. like, hey, we're not changing a lot schematic. Like, we're tweaking or we're, we're correcting this or that. So either those, like, Either the guy's mentality is just not right going to those games, which come on, mm-hmm. or I don't know. But on to Bowman. This man. Oh, this man. So not only did he throw another pick six. Yes. It was oh, they, a horrible place to pick six. Yes. Um, but looking at his stats through conference play, so the last nine games, he's averaging 286 yards, 1.1 touchdowns, 1.1 interceptions. He's literally thrown 10 interceptions and 10 touchdowns in conference play and is sitting just at 60% completion percentage. Like, he's also thrown six touch, six interceptions in the last three games. Like, that's what I, that, that's what we all this knew is, him, that's right? That's not good competition. No, that's hell UCF, no. Houston, and BYU. Those are not secondaries where I'm sitting here being like, oh, man, right, those yeah. guys are scary. Those are not defensive lines where I'm like, oh, that might have been like a, a, a bad throw forced by the Right, a lot of pressure, line. yeah. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've watched most of them, if not all of them. I don't think damn near a single one of those interceptions has been tipped. Like it's I not, know the it's one like this weekend wasn't. It's it's not like a receiver missed a catch and sadly it fell into the DB's hands. It's like, no. Dude is throwing into small or bad or non-existent windows right. and getting picked off. And I still do not understand why early in games when you are not down big already – why Alan Bowman is throwing the ball as much as he is. I can understand I if you're down and he's taking chances. Like the third interception against UCF, honestly, I kind of understand it. You're down big. You got to try and come back. You got to push the ball down right. the field. I, I don't get why the last couple of weeks he's thrown like 40-some passes. That's what I don't get either because the recipe set up where you just give Ollie Gordon the rock and he could have easily – you That or – Yeah. It, it, if they're really selling out to take Ollie Gordon out of the game completely, which this is not the Texas D line they've been facing the last no. few weeks where they could theoretically do that with half of their defensive guys still having damn near the entire secondary playing how they want to mm. play, which that's 
we'll get into Texas o- OSU in a moment, I think. Yeah. But like that's its own can of worms. To make Oklahoma State one dimensional, you at the very worst should have easier matchups in the secondary or quick hitters, RPOs where the interception rate should be so low on those because you should be making the right reads. Mm-hmm. In my mind, this all comes back to Bowman. The struggles go back to Bowman, and he ne- he needs to play damn near perfect for Oklahoma State to have a shot of beating Texas. No, I agree, and I, I just I, – I don't – I think this is going to be a deer-in-the-headlights type game for Bowman against Texas. I don't know how they get anything going offensively. I just – I don't see it. Like, I, it's, it's crazy because – their secondary is going to take Brendan Presley out of the game. So that's your main receiver right there. Um, I don't know about that. Brendan Presley's not near as good as some of the receivers they've faced, though. I just Texas's secondary. I know it's 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 a, their glaring weakness. I understand it's that. It's not just their glaring weakness. It is the worst in the Big 12. No, that's fair. We're, I just, we're talking about worse statistically than Baylor. Worse statistically than Cincinnati. Yeah. They have the worst secondary in the big 12 well regardless i think that they have talented athletes that apparently don't know how to play (laughs) that's fair i think that's been the case across the board with texas maybe it's just the one group that's left that they're trying to sure up but no i i just think still they'll take him away i think that the pressure for the defensive line is definitely what's going to ultimately end and win that game for the longhorns but regardless it's a it's a mismatch i think i would much rather have seen texas play kansas state again even or Oklahoma. Uh, I know that would have nope. been the most nightmare nope. scenario for Big 12 people in general, but... I'll take Kansas State, not Oklahoma. No, that's fair. I just I think both of those would have been better matchups in general than what we're going to get. Um, I think there is... The only matchup I think that I could have seen Texas losing was Kansas State. I don't yeah. think OU beats them twice. I don't think that Oklahoma State beats them. And so... Knowing it wasn't going to be, it was like almost certainly not going to be Kansas State mm-hmm. heading into Saturday after yeah. Friday's results. I had like I was begging, begging Oklahoma State to come back. I forget who it was in the media room at McLean Stadium because we came in during halftime. We're like, oh my god, right? Yeah, no. And someone was like, your mark better get on the phone right now. <laughs> call BYU, <laughs> call Oklahoma State, tell them, figure this. Sh- yeah. <laughs> And I guess they did. So were there any other Big 12 games that stood out to you or any other games across the nation this past weekend that caught your attention? Um, like games across the nation, yeah, yeah, for sure. Big 12, not really. I mean, Big 12 wrapped up pretty much the way you'd expect. I mean, a couple teams, or at least one team I know, found a way to both look better and worse at the same time. Mm-hmm. Talking about my Baylor Bears, but we don't have to dive into that. Giving up a lead right at the end. That was oh, the that most hurt. That was the most devastating shit. Like and no, you it could wasn't. see it coming. You could see it That's coming. That's why it wasn't devastating. Um dude, I it was so bad. Like you Baylor had the opportunity to win. You missed the second field goal of the game. I still don't understand what's going on there. Like you you had the one good game, you win the Lou Garza Award, and then everything unravels from that. After for the kicking game for Baylor, in my opinion, I could be wrong on that. That's how I viewed it. I don't know if I'm forgetting a bunch of missed field goals, but I feel like it was just a bad game on Saturday. He missed two field goals on Saturday. Yes, I know, but what I'm saying is, oh, I don't, in general, I don't, I don't, no, I don't I'm see just, like a season of bad kicking. I see like one bad kicking game. No, I've, I've there have been some missed field goals since then, but that's regardless. That's that's the least amount of the worries for Baylor. 
Um, least amount, least amount of worries. I Richard Reese, like having the two back to back kickoff returns was ridiculous. And I loved it. I was like, I felt like that was a middle finger to like, why haven't I been on the field? And then when you actually put him in the offense, he's got some runs that helped. Now he didn't do anything like he, he was averaging seven yards a carry, but he had, what was it? Six. I think he had finished the game with like six carries averaging seven yards. It was ridiculous. And but then he had the jet sweep that he was able to utilize. It was just fun to watch him finally get involved. Um, I I don't understand the last play of the game, and I know that's kind of irrelevant. But why why did you put R.J. Martinez out there? Was that just like arm strength? It had to be. It arm had, like, there, but it like was no just asked, like, but like, dude, come on. What's come on about like your starting quarterback's injured? If one quarterback has the arm strength to get it to the end zone and the other one doesn't, I guess it just felt like I didn't know if it was one of those where it's like okay maybe it's arm strength or if it's just like okay get out there for the final play. It just it was the most. It just it just felt like that was the perfect ending to how this is going. I don't know. Maybe I put I'll probably put too much into that. And in that you're spot. starting to sound like a message board warrior right now. Maybe I am. That's finding fine. reasons to be maybe annoyed. That's, I don't care. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting situation, nonetheless. An interesting train of thought to think anything other than, well, he has to have the. I mean, arm. he's got to have the better arm, but he like, dude, come on. Arm. It was just, I don't know. Accuracy that, doesn't matter on Hail Marys. No, it doesn't. But at the same time, like, when you gave West Virginia the ball, and you you could just see it in Garrett Green's eyes. I don't know how you let the running back get that wide open on a wheel route. I just, I don't get that. Who's typically responsible for wheel routes? Linebacker. Well, that makes sense then. That makes all yeah. the sense in the world. I, for, for those who might not know, um, Baylor's linebacking play out of an entire year of Pathetic. bad defense was probably the worst single position on that defense. Yes. That and the so, D-line, yeah, it was up there. Honestly, no, I don't think it's even close. I don't think it's even close. I think the linebackers <laughs> the line- were terrible this year. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Um, let's see. Did you watch Florida, Florida State? I did. So Paul and I were in here. As you can imagine, Paul was going through the motions. Um, that was a fun game. I, I thought – Do uh, the motions include the fetal position for any amount of time? Because – He uh, – yeah, like, it was it a, it was a full – It was a while. full wave of depression – Followed by like the walking tomahawk chop, like Frankly, it was a whole I'm, wave I'm a of emotions. Surprised I don't see anything like smashed and broken because the way Florida State, uh, Florida got their first touchdown, I might have broken something in here if I was a lifelong Florida State fan and alum. Right, like that roughing the passer call was. Do you remember when that rule went to effect in the NFL, like the not not putting your full body weight? Yes, yes. Do you remember the week one game that was like the poster child for how terrible that rule was going yes. to be? Clay Matthews yes. sacking Kirk Cousins. It was just like, yeah. Perfect form tackle. They throw a flag. Yep. This wasn't quite a perfect form tackle, but the dude did everything you have to do to deliver a hard hit without drawing a penalty. Mm-hmm. And the ref was like, "Yeah, but no, we want to. We want to, there to be a penalty." See that I don't understand that. I, I don't understand how difficult. Like, it's got to be miserable to be a defensive coach and like try to teach ta- like technique. Like, what the hell do you even do anymore? I would have like there. There's a few times each and every season where I'm sitting here being like, 
if I was that head coach, I'd be throwing some kind of fit right now. Like not, not the kind of fit where it's like you yell, you get your words mm. in and then you go back to your side and you keep coach like the, I'm stopping this goddamn game right yeah. now until you fucking do something about yeah. it. Because if I was Mike Norvell, I don't think I even would have yelled. I think I would have gone out there and been like, you literally just gave them a touchdown. Yeah. You literally just gave them a touchdown. You just gave them seven points. You should not give yeah. me seven points. So you need to take theirs away. Right. Yeah. Because there's no way on God's green earth that that was a penalty. That's probably some of one of those you get the pass you're at home and all that crap. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It was it was complete BS call. Like that 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 was the level of BS call where I would legitimately stop the game. I would stop the game. They would throw me out. I'd be sitting on the field. Mm-hmm. They would have to call security. And at that point, in my mind, where the world works in ways that it should, someone somewhere would have made the call and been like, "These refs need to not be calling this game right now, or they need to." reverse their right. call or something because we can't have a head coach so adamant that he's right and actually be right that he's yeah. just sitting on the field stopping a game from being no coached. i think that's one of those things where you would need like if you had like a sky judge or somebody like something real simple that can make the call down real quick that would eliminate most of that shit but yeah. regardless no I, I thought i thought florida state handled it well tate rodemaker looked pretty good uh dude he got destroyed like, I know. it was complete bs like that's one where i thought paul was gonna break something because i'm, I'm surprised they didn't because to my knowledge they didn't call double targeting no it was just they just it was the one it was guy one targeting and at first it was like but are they gonna call it or not it was clear as day he got yeah, destroyed they should have ejected both of them yeah they both did it like i don't care if it's one penalty they should have both been ejected no like, they really should have I, I did not watch the whole game. I just watched uh, the big plays, the highlight package. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the refs were consistently pretty terrible through the game or if it was just those two huge. There was some hit and miss. Like Florida had it. There was there was one point in the game where Florida spit, like damn near spit in the ref's yeah, face. He got and got he got ejected. I mean, there were some, some questionable calls. But I, I think that's kind of to be expected in a game like that where there's so much energy emotion and everything i think the refs handled it as best as they could but now going back to that that was clearly as hell uh, a, a terrible call that led to the florida touchdown so um moving forward with florida state do you think they beat louisville louisville went yes. lost yes. to kentucky you think florida state beats louisville? I, I think yeah i think louisville's fraudulent i i really do i think like dude i'm I, whatever I, I i i thought was virginia should have beat them Virginia screwed themselves and beat themselves. You've gotten beaten by Pitt. You haven't played anybody in the ACC. None of the best teams you have played. And then you got beaten your rivalry game by an average Kentucky team. Yeah, I think they're fraudulent. I think they are better than they were last year. I think they got the right guy at the head coach. I think they got a bright future. But I think they've been the benefit of a poor schedule and taking care of business has gotten them where they are at in the rankings. But I think Florida State, even without – Jordan Travis beats the hell out of Louisville. So just just to make sure we're clear, you think that a Florida State team with a backup quarterback that only beat a Florida team by nine yes. is absolutely going to expose a top 10 Louisville team? That's I think they could beat Louisville by 10. I think that's bold given that they're on their backup quarterback. That's fine. 
I think they are a significantly better team as a whole, especially on defense and in the trenches, and that's where it's going to be di – like the difference would be. Okay, man. That's just me. Yeah, no, f fair enough. Agree to disagree. We'll, we'll throw that – we can throw that one in the picks this week if we want to, seeing as we're uh, – Oh, we can definitely do – let's do uh, let's do conference championship. Conference we, can do it, we can do picks. Okay. I okay. like that. Yeah. Um, your ass. Yeah, I know. It's been, <laughs> bro, it's been one of those you years, dog. Not be that adamant. <laughs> that, that, like, this seems fraudulent. They're going to lose. No, I really I do. I'm going to pick against them. You're no, like, I, yeah, I, going to kick my ass. No, I, I really do. I think they are fraudulent. <laughs> but you know, it, it, whatever. We'll no, see no, how. No. And look, hats off to them, dude. They're six and one at home. They've taken care of business. I, but I just feel like they have taken advantage of their schedule. And hats off to them for doing that. Like, I'm not trying to knock them, but I think in the grand scheme of championship caliber football they're fraudulent and that will be okay. seen and on full display hey, hey, fair enough i can't say that like you're coming from a place that sounds wrong because like yes they've had a weak schedule i i trust their head coach a little more maybe that's some bias because like he was He's a damn good, brahm's a damn good coach yeah that's all i'm saying i i i, I like their coach i think he's gonna coach it up i don't they, they, did you game. watch the iron bowl at all i did not get to watch the iron bowl i i saw the ending hurt I was laughing as the game was going on, being like, Auburn's actually in this. How is Auburn actually in this? This team lost to damn New Mexico State. Every year they do this, though. Like, it's it's like they save all of their juice or their juju, and they give Bama. I don't know why I did not bet Auburn to cover the spread. Because there's no way the spread was three points. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, Bama had three penalties that essentially took them from walking into the end zone to fourth and 31. And then Milrow just tosses up the most ridiculous Hail Mary to Isaiah Bond. He catches in the back of the end zone. Bama wins. Like, I I don't know. Like, there, there was so much on the line in the state. If Auburn would have won that game, that and Texas would have taken care of – like, that. I think every Longhorn fan should have been rooting for Auburn in that situation. Do you think at all? No. No, they need their win win against Bama to seem amazing. Yeah, but I also think that if if Bama would have lost that game and then they would have had two losses, losing to I think that would have just kind of cleared a path for Texas to work their way in. I could be wrong on that. I I don't think so because um, then like then what happens? You if they if Auburn loses to Bama. Are you really going to turn around and think that they can go beat Georgia? No, but what I'm saying is that would – I mean, Bama lose to Auburn, sorry. Yeah. No, I just think if that would have cleared up any – well, because I don't think Bama could beat – I don't I, – I, as of – I thought Bama could beat Georgia, but after watching this, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, that's the thing is – so say Bama loses to Auburn. If they lose to Auburn, yes, Texas is – Firmly above Bama, but they already should have been. They already they should have been. Bama. So then you're looking at either Bama beats Georgia after that, and does like what does that try? Does that drag Georgia out of the playoffs? Because Bama's not no. going to be in with two losses, even if they beat Georgia. So well then, okay. Let's say Bama goes down to three losses and Georgia stays undefeated. Mm. Well now, now Texas's win really doesn't look as good. It's not going to catapult you over an Oregon. You know, mm. which is, which is what all of my Texas buddies are still moaning about is being ranked under Oregon. I, I can kind of see that, but I don't. I think they, Oregon's they a all, better they team. All, they that's the thing. They all one don't believe Oregon's a better team, and two 
point to the Alabama win as the best win in the nation this year. No one, <sighs> no one goes into Bryant Denny and dominates Alabama, which I um I always have a little. I always try and pump the brakes a little on dominates Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was the on that. that wasn't necessarily complete domination. Yes, it was a ten point win. It was a good win. Good job. No, it was. It was. It was a sound win. Um, but all right, let's let's take a break here. Let's come back. Let's get into the conference championships game, and then let's yep. get into some of these coaching changes that have transpired over the weekend. But yeah, so as of right now, you have uh, Texas is going to play Oklahoma State. We'll get into Oregon and Washington as well. Uh, we'll get into Iowa and Michigan and some others across the nation. Uh, you're listening to the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you. And once again, we always appreciate you tuning in, whether it is live on YouTube or you go back and check it out there. Make sure you hit like and subscribe as we continue to grow the channel. Also, make sure you check out our podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. Rogue Media helps us with that. Greatly appreciate the folks over at Rogue. So we are officially to college conference championship weekend mm -hmm. and i mean i think i was i was thinking about this over the weekend so when we did our big 12 preview uh we both had texas i believe in the championship game right yep you had K texas against kansas state i believe and i had texas against texas tech because i drank that kool-aid in lubbock um you were closer, obviously. Uh, neither one of us, though. Like, there was no way in hell. Well, it only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades. It, it does. It does. It does. That's that's very fair. Uh, so we were both on the outside looking in. We were yep. both on that. We were halfway home. Uh, neither one of us gave Oklahoma State a chance. Um, no. I still am not giving them a chance in this game. I just – dude, I have so many questions about that program, and it's hard. Like, as poorly as they've played – they're still in the championship game. It's it's like I don't. Mike Gundy is a good coach. I can't not not say he's a, not a good coach. But like, what the hell are the expectate? Like, well, here here's the thing. I think that we we're almost too hesitant to land on what what's the consensus what the consensus of Mike Gundy and Mike Gundy teams have has been is. They're going to compete for a championship, but they're never going to freaking win it. Yes. And, like, every time they have an opportunity. This no. But, like, to me, it's like every time they have an opportunity, historically, to make the championship game, win the championship game, they find a way to screw it up. And they damn near did that again this year. They tried everything they could down the last three weeks of the season to piss away this opportunity. And I still think even if they feel like they're playing with house money, they're not going to be able to – to upset Texas, so yeah, exciting, I don't know. That's just what it bugs me. No, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's you you want more excitement out of this matchup. You want more hope that it'll be a game. It just doesn't feel like a team with a strength in their running back that clearly hasn't been playing to it properly over the last three weeks against vastly inferior competition mm -hmm. is going to go up against one of the best D lines in the country and be able to be in the game. Right. I, it's, to me, it's almost like looking at how Oklahoma State's offense, when it's been successful, 
it's it's kind of like what Tech has done, right? Like you you have Taj Brook at Tech, and you you let Baron Morton kind of throw the the rock around. I think he's better and more efficient than uh, Alan Bowman. But you just seen what Texas did to Tech, like. That, I don't know like how you're going to draw up that same blueprint and try to go and have any realistic expectations that you have a better shot than even I, – I would hope to God it's better than the outcome that we saw when Texas took care of Tech. But I just – I don't see any realistic expectations or way that Oklahoma State even makes this game competitive. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Just I, – I want I want it to be competitive, but I don't think it will be. Um, so – that's going to be a little sad for the 11 a.m. slot on Saturday. I do have to ask, Okay, what do you think is going to be the best game this weekend? Uh, looking at this right now, I would have to say it's going to be Georgia and Alabama. Really? I, I do. Um, I, would, I would have said SMU and Tulane. Hear me out. I would have said SMU and Tulane, except Preston Stone, the quarterback for yes. SMU, got hurt this week. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I picked Tulane to beat UTSA. I think they looked really good doing that. I thought that could have been a fun game. With SMU being on the rise, their defense is so damn good. You had two really good quarterbacks going at it. I thought that could have been the best one. Um, and I think that I, I, I've talked about Florida State and Louisville. Like I, I don't see that being competitive. So you're, I, you're really leaving Oregon and Washington on the board? I did not see that one. I was I was I was on Saturday. I was only on Saturday. I was Bro, only on I think Saturday. Friday night has the best game. It probably does. Uh, yeah, I would say. Yeah, you're right. Oregon, Washington, and then I would put Bama in Georgia. Like my buddy's having a friendsgiving on Friday night, and I'm I'm gonna have to have that game up either on my phone or on a TV or something because like I think that's going to be one hell of a game. I just I'm concerned about. I feel like Washington since that game has happened hasn't looked the same defensively. Like their offense has been super efficient. I think they have arguably the best receiving core in the day. I love Roman Dunze. He is freak. Um I just I'm concerned about the way their defense has been playing. They've let teams that they should be significantly better than kind of hang around um and push them where Oregon has kind of just other than the USC game, which was kind of weird because that was the first game coming off of Grinch getting fired, but they still took care of business. Like they are clicking. I think this is one where Oregon beats Washington. Um, Oregon's favored by damn near ten points. See, I man, I don't know if it would be ten, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's very, very interesting. It's a super intriguing matchup, and I'm not the person out there that thinks that Bama, frankly is going to make a good game out of Georgia. Everyone's talking like, "Oh man, Bama's shown that they're, you know, they're they're a true Bama team." Mm. And I'm sitting here being like, "Yeah, but we were all concerned about Georgia and then they shut everyone up." Yeah, like I I I don't see how a Bama team with this many offensive issues when I say that Relative to a Bama team. Correct, correct. Not not relative to a Bama Everybody relative else. Relative to a Bama team. <laughs> not relative to Offensive the field. issues for a Bama team. <laughs> but again, a Bama team with this many offensive issues, I, I don't see how they they compete with Georgia. I don't see how they keep it within 10 points at all times. Um, I, I think they could keep it no, yeah, at all times is going to be difficult. Um, and that, that's the key to playing with Georgia is keeping it close for as long as you can. I think Bama could keep it close until about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then 
But that's the thing is if it comes down to coat, I don't, I don't know, dude. Like, I would trust Kirby Smart and his his squad uh, to be able to pull away in the fourth quarter there. But I think Bama can keep it interesting until about eight minutes left in the game. I think they're going to pull away in the third quarter. I mean, if I think they I'm, easily I'm could. I'm sitting there being like, this is a stinker of a game. Like most SEC championship games are. Come on now. Come on now. Really? They might be. They might be. Really? <laughs> they might be. Because up, like there, there was a couple of years where Georgia was on the ascendancy, but wasn't two-time national champ Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's that's when those games were good. Before that, you had to go back to like, I don't, I, I don't even know. You had to go back to the like the LSU and the LSU and Georgia the Alabama games. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Like there's a period there where it was like, "Oh, who's who who's Bama going to just shellack from the east this year?" Uh, that's really what it was. Oh, it, it's LSU randomly this year? Cool. Who's LSU going to shellack from the east this year? Now there was a, there was definitely a a separating factor there, and Georgia has balanced love. the field. I don't have any love for the SEC championship. Also, it just feels so sanitized. There's something about playing in in Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta that just what what did you like about it? It just feels so corporate and sanitized. The way the way it looks for SEC for Chick Fil A kickoff for any bowl game they have there. If it's the Falcons, it looks like it's the Falcons stadium. If it's Atlanta United, they've got a great crowd, great energy. There's something about it as a neutral site football venue to me that's just like, so where'd, where'd, the, uh, where'd the operating table go? We're in an operating room, right? It's completely sterile. <laughs> I think you can make that case for every championship game that's in that, like, like there's no difference in that and going I'd to Jerry very World. Similar, I'd say very similarly about Jerry World for the Big Twelve. Yeah, I feel like Vegas is probably more fun for the Pac-12. Probably um, ACC. I just don't think anyone gives a shit about. And Lucas Oil. I mean, it's just kind of there. <laughs> so yes, I know I'm undercutting my my scorching scorching take on uh, on the SEC championship game and Mercedes Benz. But at the end of the day. This is also why expanded playoff with home playoff games. I cannot going wait to for be that. Amazing. I cannot wait for that. Bowl games have their their energy. Bowl games have their uniqueness. It's never the like Rose Bowl, huge stadium, classic. Yeah, or they're Outback, mostly a Outback miss. Bowl, like random yeah. fucking stadium. But for some reason, it's always a good game. Yeah. Stuff like that. But like, I think having that home at home playoff, like that's gonna be that's gonna be a game changer. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is why having like I think the best environment of the weekend is going to be in New Orleans at Yulman Stadium. No, I agree. I agree. They're not uh, the Superdome. That one. Ullman. That one's going to be on fun. Campus. That one will be fun. Um, it, it's. I just I don't know, man. I think Tulane's been kind of an interesting. I'm not uh, saying best game. I'm saying best environment. No, it, it, it probably might, it might be honestly because that's your true home field. Everything. Get I'm worried about that. Stone being out for for SMU. Yeah, that's one that sucks. Um, he he's been so efficient and so good since he was in high school. Like he's he's the perfect quarterback for SMU. That's and you're not seeing him go up against Pratt's going to be devastating. Hopefully he can get. I don't even know the extent of the injury. It didn't look good. Uh, I would. I don't know, man. That that just sucks. I know for sure he ain't going to play this weekend. Yeah. Real uh, quick, Michigan Iowa. Not even fun. Uh, this is going to be like paint drying. This is I, hats off to Michigan, man. Like I, they, what they have been able to do with all of the distractions around 
has been stupid impressive. I don't know of any team that can overcome that kind of outside noise and adversity and win on the road environments. And and I know this past one was at home, but like going into Penn State and winning is big deal. Like to me, it is. Like that's that's a difficult road environment that most teams would fold under. Uh, I think the win this weekend. Like, yes, the environment. I, I have so much respect for the environment at Penn State. I have zero respect for their that, quarterback that, or that's their fine. offensive coordinator who did get fired after that. Yes, game. and it was and well deserved. Well deserved for that matter. No, but I think most most teams would fold under the circumstances that Michigan has faced. Iowa, dude, like, what can you say? Like that was the most ugly. Hire Jeff Grimes. Yes, other than that, like that. Hire that, Jeff Grimes. That's the most ugly you will win. Always have good offensive linemen, and uh, you should run a scheme that's incredibly tough to defend if. You have good offensive linemen to run that scheme, a.k.a. it's a match made in heaven. I, I stand by that. I, I really do. I that stand by that. That is one of the best ideas I've heard, and that is all Garrett Ross. Thank so, friends, listen to this man. I, dude, it would be, it, it's, the, it's a perfect match made in heaven. We will see. I, just, I don't think this is even competitive. I think Michigan rolls past Iowa. Like, I mean – does does their can their defense? I know their defense is everything. How does the defense in your mind? You watch, you keep up with Big Ten match up against this Michigan team. Watch Iowa. You, yeah, you, you think I'm that do. much of a sicko? Yeah, you do. I barely have time to watch the conference. I actually have to work to cover. I know, but you've seen Iowa. Can, can they like? And you've seen Michigan. Like realistically, is there any hope that that like can that defense stack up against Michigan's offense? It's not. That's not the question to ask. Is it's can I, Iowa score, can Iowa score more than five no, no, points? I legitimately like I can see a world where Michigan wins this game 14 to nothing because Iowa's defense is good. They have every chance of holding Michigan down. I just at the same time think Michigan's defense is good enough that Iowa won't score. Right. I, I can see this game ending 14 nothing. I think that's probably I think what Iowa you're going to see. Iowa needs to score at least 17 to win, and I have no faith that they can score 17 on Michigan. Oh, and 17 so is really being probably generous to Iowa's defense, which it's great. But Michigan is a damn good team. They are. And they will play that grinded out style that, like, Ohio State is much more hit or miss against an Iowa. It's like yeah. they could they could put up 50. They have they can have their day. Or it's going to be, like, 13 with five interceptions yeah. or some dumb crap like that. Yeah. With Michigan, it's going to be, like, they're probably scoring – 14 to 30. Not not the same highs, not the same lows, but they'll be able to grind it out. So the last one, I've, I've given my testimony on this with Louisville and Florida State. Your thoughts on this game? No Jordan Travis. Oh, that's the part that's making this one tough for me because I can definitely see Brom scheming up quick passing, quick hitting runs to bounce it out. And really, really challenging not Florida State's D-line mm-hmm. to to hold Louisville down. Um, I just don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if if the Louisville defense can can stymie those great wide receivers, a solid running back, and yeah, Trey Benson's gonna be a problem. Rodemaker's not bad. Like I, how bad did he get his belt? That's, that's the thing. Is like, is he gonna? What's his status gonna be for this week? If if it's Rodemaker, I think. Florida State pulls it out, but it's going to be tight. If it's not Rodemaker, I th- I think Louisville wins. I would agree with that. That's the only concern I would have is if if Rodemaker's not the guy going out there, then Louisville I think could hang with them. I just I just don't trust them, man. I I think that especially if Rodemaker's out there, I just don't see Louisville even really making it that competitive. Okay, we've gone through every game. What's the playoff looking like? 
So the playoff, I think you're going to see, I think Georgia takes care of Bama. Mm-hmm. I think Georgia's going to be your number one seed. Michigan takes care Michigan of Michigan takes care of Iowa. They're going to be your number seed. two seed. Now things get weird because mm-hmm. if Oregon beats Washington, I don't know what happens because you would have, I guess they, I Oregon it, would get in, right? Because they won the pack. The way I think it's going to go. I, I think that it's going to be Florida State and Oregon as those last two. And I think that they will bump Florida State down to the four seed. Because I think it's entirely, entirely unfair mm-hmm. to both Oregon and Georgia if they force that matchup. Right. I don't think anyone is under any... I think you select your four teams. You're like, these are the four teams that should make it. And then you seed. That's how I... I would do it personally. I know that's not how the committee's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Committee's never made the right decision. No, <laughs> not at all. But I feel like once you select your four teams, you don't look for the matchups necessarily, but you look for, okay, now that we know these are the four teams, rank them one to four. Those are your seeds. And so once you're in, it's not so much, okay, what have you earned? It's how are you playing? Right. I like to get in, to make that top four, I'm thinking, okay, have you earned it? So if you're an undefeated Power 5 champion, you've earned it. You're in. Unless there are five of them. There aren't going to be five of them. Um, so after that, I've got my four teams. I've got Michigan, Georgia, uh, Florida State, and Oregon. Georgia's been number one undefeated all year. Yes. Yep, they're number one. Okay, great. Next next one. We've got two undefeated teams left. Well, Michigan's clearly better than Florida State. Yep. But that means I'm looking head-to-head, Oregon, Florida State. Where they're at right now to make these matchups, I'm picking Oregon third putting Florida State fourth. Yeah, I think you could make that case unless you just said Florida State. I mean, realistically, if you're talking about now, product now, yeah, that makes sense. But if you were trying to say that's the – you put your three undefeateds, one, two, three, and then slide whoever in. And I really don't know if the committee would do the same as me, not necessarily even in that, like, way, just because Florida State does not have their starting quarterback and we know they won't have him for the playoff because how devastating that injury was. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to take that into account and how much that will hurt Florida State. Even like They should not be left out if they're undefeated. They no. should not be left out if they're, if they're ACC undefeated champ. Um, but I could see them being docked in seeding because of that injury, because you want to balance out the matchups that actually have to be played. Mm. Is there any way in hell... Texas? Yeah. Is there any way you see Texas sliding in? I and that, I, don't, I think they – I personally think – because right now, if you, and I know that you're going to have to shake things up, but right now you have Ohio State sitting at six ahead of Texas. I think that's in, inexcusable. They have no shot because they, they're not playing for a conference championship, so I would switch that personally. I so, just – I don't see Texas getting in. If, if things hold – unless there's some kind of – unless Florida State gets beat, I think that Florida would be – Florida State getting beat – Opens it up. Yeah. Because if, if Florida State got beat, if Texas won the Big 12, you would have to put them in over whoever loses Washington, Oregon, because they won their conference. I believe, yes. So I think that's really what it's going to come down to, is you've got to win out and you've got Oregon to hope. Gets a second loss, they're behind yeah. Texas. Florida State gets a loss, they're behind Texas. Um, you really have to hope that happens. Um, if Oregon wins, I know, I know people who would still want to say that um, that Texas is better than Oregon. 
that they have the better win because well Washington wasn't really that good. No, they had they had the they played Oregon played significantly tougher schedule top to bottom. Given there was the best damn conference in the nation this year was the Pac twelve. I'm trying to play devil's. No, I know, I know. I'm just I'm just saying I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Like I I do not see how you can look at their resumes and say that Texas is a clearly better resume than Oregon. I can look at Oregon's and be like, yeah, top to bottom, they're yeah. better. Clearly better is a that's a bridge, but anyway, so that, that that's my playoff. I I do think that um, Oregon Michigan is going to be the game of the playoff if right. we can get it in the first round because uh, Georgia's going to go through FSU, um, Georgia Texas. Now that that would I'd be fun. With that that would be fun from like the trenches standpoint. Like I think that would be the first time all year. Well, other than the Bama game. Where Georgia could really be tested in the trenches, I think Bama's. I mean, I think Texas is significant, not significantly, but I think they're better. I think they proved it by beating Bama. That they're better in the trenches than the Tide. That would be fun, to, like to watch how that would shake out. Um, yeah, that would be a matchup I would love to see. Yeah, if, if the playoff was Michigan, Oregon, and Texas, Georgia, that I, I, I could do that. I could do that. I could get behind that. I am slowly but surely coming around to the eventuality that Georgia three peats. Because I don't see this Michigan team beating them. I think Oregon's not a good matchup for Georgia, even though I think they're the only team that has a shot. And we all saw what happened last year. I know last year's a grain of salt and everything, but Georgia embarrassed Oregon. I know it was the first week of the year and everything, but Well, that's frankly why I hold on to any hope of them actually beating them, is that there are guys there that remember that. That whooping. Ugh, I don't know, and man. Want to go out there and prove that this program is not bad, right? Um, so go ahead. But yeah. So I think I think Georgia's the national champ. Yeah, I, I I'm still gonna ride okay. with Michigan. I think Mich. Well, I, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia did. I just I don't see Michigan like the playmakers. They don't have the playmakers to hang with Georgia on the outside. Like anyway, we'll see. Uh, look, you want to get into some of these coaches changes that have happened over the weekend real wait, quick. Wait, wait, Paxton coming in here with Texas has more ranked wins than Oregon and better strength of schedule. Okay, Paxton. Okay, Paxton. Ranked when? Ranked when, man. Anyway, coaching changes. No, no, no seriously. Ranked when? I, do I need to pull up Texas's schedule? Because I mean, who they, they've they've beaten Bama on the road. That was their best win. Bama, Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas State. They got beat by Oklahoma. Yeah. No, no, not even Kansas, close. Kansas State, and Alabama. Would you take that <laughs> over the the Pac-12 teams? No. That Oregon's beaten. No, hell no. Not even close. Oh my God. All right, some of the coaching changes that have like, happened. I love the Big 12. I don't want to crap on the Big 12 I, here, but, like, dude. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, the biggest one in the nation to me is Texas A&M bringing over Mike Elko. Uh, this was a weird hire because – Wait, wait, wait. wait. Just, just head-to-head. It's Utah, Oregon State, and Colorado. Oregon has more ranked wins. It's it's not With The close. same number of ranked wins. Just like It's not close. Ah! Yeah. Stop trying to tell me Texas has a better resume than Oregon. They don't. Stop. They do not. They do not. I love you, Paxton. I love you. Please. (laughs) So, 
coaching hires. Mike Elko is now the man at AM. Uh, you had reports coming out that it was going to be Stoops from Kentucky. And then the AM fan base did just went crazy. There's a rumor I heard that essentially they had everything, everything. set to go. The like I think it was the board at AM just had to ratify it. But the by then it had leaked and the board heard the backlash yes. and backed out. And that it, it's it's uh you know, I I was caught off guard by the stoops thing. Uh and the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, okay, maybe, but it why would you leave Kentucky for those unrealistic expectations at AM? Uh that that was one that didn't make any sense to me. You're also looking at I thought it's the irony in it is you were looking at your two coaches from two basketball schools. Um that was cool, that was fun. Uh, but Elko coming back makes a lot of sense because he's only been gone for a couple of years. Uh, he is not he, – I think he's a guy who understands what it's going to take to go in there. I think his ego isn't going to get in the way. I think he's recruited a lot of the kids, especially on the defense, those stars, and he's got a, a, a good way of coming in, being familiar with the roster and retaining a lot of the people, a lot of the talent, because they are good. Like A&M's defense, watching them play this past weekend, they have dudes all over the field. They are. Uh, they just need the right coach to come in there. Uh, what do you do offensively? I don't know. Uh, you also got to think, is there the possibility of bringing Riley Leonard over for one year and letting him you know, kind of implement the offense that Elko wants to do, knowing it, and then kind of teaching Wegman on the fly? Max Johnson's hit the transfer portal already. Uh, there's so many elements to go there. I like the hire of Mike Elko. I think both of you, me, you and I, we were talking about this. He was up there in our top three. Uh, any thoughts on Elko being the dude? I like him better than Stoops. I think if there is Elko is very much of the he is not he's not a flashy hire. No, for like he's as he's as close of a flashy hire as you could get out of the like. No, this is a probably a smart hire. Group. Right, the like probably smart, probably not happening because it's A and M and they want flash. Yes. So this is the flashiest out of that group. So I think they made a good call. I think they did too. I think that possibly because. I respect Stoops as a coach. Don't get me wrong. Possibly the public backlash helps guide AM in the right direction. Oh, it did. Here, because Elko, I feel like he's more up and coming. He's been around AM already. And I'm very interested to see what he can do with those resources. But then again, that's pretty much what you say about anyone who gets hired at that place. But I think he can do better with it because he understands what he's getting into, whereas people from the outside who haven't been inside of that that realm before would have less to less experience. I think yeah. he, he understands what he's going to do. I also think because he wasn't gone for all that no, long. just two years. I think that he still knows parts of that roster, guys he recruited, and frankly, like, just to give one example, I know not everyone's like this, but uh, Torian York, uh, oh. lo a local linebacker prospect, he got SEC Freshman of the Week one week this year. Dude, he's so good. Yeah. You know what the other top two schools recruiting him were? Baylor and – was it Duke? And Duke. Okay. I, didn't, I, I so, forgot about so the Duke we can throw aspect. Baylor out. Yeah. I'm not trying to bring them into the conversation. It's Elko was recruiting him to Duke yeah. as well. So now he gets, now he gets him at yeah. A&M. Like, Dude, Torian is – he's going to be so damn good. I don't know if he's ever gonna like have a real shot at the NFL, but he's one of those guys. He's like, he's undersized. He's not as fast as you want. He plays football. He is. He knows. Football. He is the modern. He's gonna be their modern Dat Win. Like I, without a doubt in my mind. Like he is freaking gonna be amazing. I praise. Um, elsewhere in the SEC, Jeff Lebby. 
Ah, I do not like this. I hate this hire. I think this is stupid. I don't understand. I I don't understand what Mississippi State is seeing here because the only thing I can think of, right, is they want to stick into this air raid mentality. They want to be the SEC. They want to be the SEC air raid. Uh, unfortunately for them, there are other schools there that are trying to do that, and they have better people in place. I, uh, Jeff Levy, I've never dealt with him personally. I've always everything I've heard about the dude is he's an asshole. Like he's it, for real. Um, I don't like you could kind of see the writing on the wall that his time was coming into an end in Oklahoma because it, it wasn't going well. You had the the Browse incident on the side. It was just you could tell it was coming. I don't know that he's necessarily ready to be a head coach. Um, and if he was like, I think that would be go to a smaller school and work your way up. But I don't, I don't get this move. If you're Mississippi state, I don't get it. And I don't want to be the person that makes this a thing, but I still wonder if college football at large is ready for a Bryles disciple head coach. Well, you, because you've had I, that in Philip Montgomery at Tulsa, but you're, I'm talking about like, you're talking about like power five in the mainstream, like here yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if not now, then when that's my thing, that would be my only no, counter that, to no, that. That's my thing is, yeah, I don't think, I didn't think anyone was ever going to let it happen. I thought every single guy who was well known from that staff right, uh, right. was just, they were coaching, but they knew they were never going to get a power five head coaching job. He, that's, that's the thing. It's like, what, I don't know, man. Uh, they're apparently Mississippi State's apparently not worried about any backlash. Cool. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, I just, it's I don't. State. I, can't I know. I just, I don't understand. Like, there was Jamie Chadwell to me would have been a much better fit as somebody who has been an experienced head coach, proven that he can win. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, Jeff Levy is kind of hit or miss as an offensive coordinator in general. I never saw him as a head coach. It, for the foreseeable future, I thought it would be a few years before that ever even came up. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't think it's going to work, um, but we shall see. Uh, other notable ones that I'm seeing here in the uh, the carousel, uh, Holgerson fired at Houston, Malzahn extended at UCF, uh, Pittman retained at Arkansas, and Lashley extended at SMU. So not really surprised about the extensions for Lashley and Malzahn. I think those are well-deserved. I know a lot of people can probably – Malzahn earned that in the second half. Yeah, he did. I know a lot of people will look at some of the play calls he made throughout this year that cost him games that time. I stand by it. I, I I really believe that's his coach. If They're going to be fine. he turned it around, I'd have serious questions. But he turned, he turned it around. They're going bowling. And I think that's a great, great result, especially given the way they started the year. No, it is. Um, so I, I can definitely see that, especially I don't think it was like it's any huge extension. Yeah. Um, Four million per year over the next two seasons increased to five point five million during the last two. I mean, that doesn't sound crazy. Like maybe it sounds like it's above UCF's weight right now, right. but it doesn't sound crazy. No, uh, the Dana situation, I thought he would get one more year. You've been adamant about him getting the, the boot. Um, I, I wonder if someone's listening to our show. They might be. I don't know. I don't know. But like, it, it's, it, I, I understand it. I clearly understand it. He's had five years there. Um, I thought just having one more year to work in the Big 12 was something that's going to go. Now he's gone. Uh, Jeff Trailer didn't take the job at A&M, obviously. Baylor's not available. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, that's He's got to be somebody they call. I think G.J. Kitty would be a perfect fit there. That's going to be somebody they call. The Willie Fritz news, 
I understand the name, but I before the year, Willie Fritz, and you can take Coach's word with a grain of salt, but he was pretty adamant about like he's staying at Tulane, he's going to retire there. And I don't, I wouldn't leave Tulane for Houston to go rebuild in the Big Twelve when you have a good thing going. Like I just, I would stay put in, in the Noya and do my thing there. I don't know where they go. I think it's going to be an in-state guy probably, um, but I don't really know the value of that job right now in the grand scheme yeah. of college athletics. I mean, you're in the state of Texas. You're a power. You're in the hotbed of recruiting. The name that's going to be thrown out is Trailer, but I don't know if Trailer's going to go there. I don't either. Like Trailer, Trailer wanted A and M to to my knowledge. Uh, I think he would have taken Baylor. Oh, he would have. Um, if A and M didn't offer him, which clearly they didn't. Um, yeah, so I don't know if he leaves UTSA for Houston. The, UTSA has already put out a statement. They're trying to raise money, capital to hold him and help him stay put. Yeah, and I rightfully so, but I think they're 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 it's a ticking. I think that stay is ticking because if he stays think, one more year, do you think Houston takes a chance on Kenny? Texas I would. I think Kenny would be the perfect coach at Houston. He's young. He understands the culture. He can relate to the kids well. He is an up-and-coming guy. He can recruit the hell out of East Texas. You give him Houston to put a fence up around and relate to those guys, yeah, I think he would be good. Now, I think he might need another year under his belt um, before diving into that, but I think he would be the perfect fit there personally. Yeah. Uh, I wonder about maybe a guy like Dino Babers. I know yeah. Syracuse just seems like it's a tough job to succeed at, um, and he's got he's he's from that tree of of good offenses. So I don't know. We'll see. Throwing it out there. Uh, Tom Allen is gone at Indiana. Uh, that's an that interesting one. I don't I don't really know what other than getting Big Ten money. What the draw is to Indiana. Uh, you had Michigan State hire Jonathan Smith away from Oregon State. I like that hire. I think that was kind of the the reality moment for me that the Pac-12 is officially dead. That you're you know you're you're drawing him there. Uh, now the alignment with the president and AD and the whole dysfunction they have there. I wonder how much say he has in turning that around, if any at all. Um, but I think it's a good hire nonetheless for the Spartans. Any thoughts on that one? No, not really. Uh, then here in Waco, Dave Aranda is staying. Um, Jeff Grimes is gone as your offensive coordinator. Aranda's taking over. Uh, Aranda's essentially going to be your defensive coordinator slash head coach, I guess. Um, thoughts? You like it? I'd like to hear yours because I've, I've had mine for a while. I felt like this. Me and Paul on the post game show, we're, we get a, we got a ton of questions about this on Saturday, and I felt like this is what was going to happen. I said that I thought they would bring Aranda back. I thought they would get rid of Mateos because the offense that line. the offensive line was the key problem all year long. Like I don't care what offense you're running as an offensive coordinator, you weren't running it behind that offensive line. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I had with that whole decision. Now, if it was the decisions for the offensive line came from the ultimate Grimes putting the foot down, I don't know any of the, the intricacies behind that. I just felt like that was a hand-in-hand failure. Um, I thought they would bring Aranda back. I thought they would keep Pallage. But I, I on the postgame show, I told Paul, I feel like this is a situation where they're going to do the Iowa with Brian Ferentz thing. We're saying, we're, all right, you have one last shot, but you have these certain standards and criteria that you have to reach 
Now, whether if they did that or it would ever become public, I don't know, but that's how I thought they would handle it. That's kind of what you're seeing play out. I, I, I think Aranda realistically is the perfect fit for what Baylor wants, like the, the mindset, the culture, and everything. I just don't know how it translates in modern college football. Now, when he was hired and the rules were you could keep guys and build and yada, 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 I think it would have worked. I don't I, – I feel like this is a gamble. I think this is Macro's essentially tying his future with this decision at Baylor. If it fails, they're both going to be gone. I could see that happening next year. And you also got to run the risk of if it doesn't work, do you set this program back another decade? I, I do not understand that argument. That, like, I, I've, got, I've got my piece on, mm-hmm. on, on why I think it wasn't the wrong decision to keep him and all. I don't understand people. I, I, I get Baylor has been in bad spots before, mm-hmm. terrible spots, bottom of the barrel. Like, how would we ever win four games? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. That's not Baylor now. Clearly, four games is a disappointment at Baylor. There are years where four games would have been amazing at Baylor. Mm -hmm. The amount Baylor has invested in facilities, the amount of success Baylor has shown that can be had here, I do not understand people who think that one more year of even three and nine is all of a sudden going to mean Baylor can't win four games for another decade. I do not understand that. I think, and I do not mean this personally, I think it is one of the stupidest conclusions to draw. I think that it's it's shown, I think that they're so far behind other people in the state of Texas right now. And you can, what? Cool, you know how deep the talent is in the state? No, I understand you, that, you but if you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, if you can't even games. be one of the better teams in your state, how can you be one of the better teams in your Big 12? Well, the, how are we jumping from like, you're about to have a decade of terribleness. No, that's what to, I'm saying. To well, you should be trying to because I think it goes hand in hand. I don't. There is room to be mediocre. Baylor is firmly sitting in it right now. Yeah, but there is room in Texas to be mediocre. There, it's not. You're either winning three or less games like Kansas, or you're actually competing for Big Twelve titles. There is room to be winning four to seven games every year. Baylor's currently sitting in that, and they need to get out of it because they are investing. But I do not understand this. One more one more bad year of Aranda, and all of a sudden, you might not win five games in the season for a decade. I'm not saying you're not going to win five games for a decade, but I'm saying that's probably going to be your regular what you're going to get. I, don't, I do not see that. I do not see we'll that. We'll see. You've invested Baylor's facilities. And it's not just facilities, but the facilities are the key to this. They're nice. They're on par with every other program in the Big 12 moving forward. Mm -hmm. Every single one. I do not see how you cannot get a coach into Central Texas, the middle of Texas. Like, what, max three hours away from pretty much every major city? Mm -hmm. I don't understand how people can argue that between the facilities and the recruiting area, you cannot bring in goddamn anyone. I think you can argue it because historically, there's only been one person to ever do it. And that was because of and it, we saw how that ended. What do you mean one person to ever do it? Art Browse is the one who set the expectations, these unrealistic expectations for Baylor. Other than that, 
We're been not talking average. about the expectations. We're talking about what's actually happened on the field. I know. They that's what I'm saying. A Big 12 championship with a roster that was not recruited at all by Bryles. No, I that understand was that. By two, two years ago. Coaches. We'll see. We'll see. I do not. I, I truly do not understand this argument that Baylor is going to return to the Baylor of the 90s. I think they're on the verge of it right now. No, they're not because they will not go back there. And this is not me as an alum just being like, no, we can't have it. Can't Seriously, everything lines up where Baylor should not ever do worse than this year. Ever. They shouldn't. But what's the – all right, so what – One more what, year what is of it, the, what's all of a sudden you're getting massive changes. Then you're bringing in someone who actually is going to get momentum. I don't care if it, if it's G.J. Kinney right. or, or if it's someone from outside. The point is – there is too much that is actually good about being at Baylor. I would agree with that, but I'll disagree as well. I'll just disagree on the future. We'll see. We have can, to see how it's going to shake convince out. Convince me that with these facilities in this location, that Baylor could go six straight years and not make a bowl game. Because that's what we're talking about here. I guess I need to know what the what is the what is the realistic expectation? What do you want year in and year out to be comfortable and say, and say that every year that this is success? That's a different conversation, man. The conversation I thought we were having is so how how do we envision that Baylor gets locked into not making bowl games consistently? That that is what you're saying. They'll make, no, they'll make bowl games consistently. I just don't know what the then how, and yes, how and so it won't be. It will not be the '90s where you're in Barrett, but it will never. It's not. I don't know. Th- those. You see what I'm saying? What I'm hearing at the start of these conversations, because you're not the only person who's who's saying. No, this. but I'm saying it's bad, and you will have. I just don't know. I need to know what the the what I'm bottom the start of these is. Conversations is Baylor is on the verge of being the next Kansas, and then by the end of the conversation, it's like, no. What I'm saying is Baylor's on the verge of only making bowl games every three years. Those two are not the same thing. Kansas versus making a bowl game once every three years, those are not the same thing. Well, it's somewhere in between. And I'm far less scared of Aranda putting Baylor in a place that they only make a bowl game once every three years compared to or the what I don't think is even possible of Aranda putting Baylor in a place where they don't make a bowl game for a decade. They better make a bowl because game next that, year. That that second one, that is what I'm hearing from so many people who are scared of keeping Aranda. And I'm just sitting here being like, I don't think that's actually humanly possible. I think you have to be a head coach that is trying to not make a bowl game and still get retained for damn near a decade. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. I don't as know. As far as the other stuff about Aranda and the way he builds and um, not it not being something that can work in modern college mm. football. I think that no matter what era, whether it was the area era previous, like directly previous to the mm-hmm. NIL and the, and the transfer portal era, I think that Aranda, perhaps naively, didn't realize the setup costs. Whichever era it is, there's setup costs to running this. You have to show you can have the success mm-hmm. before you can start really focusing on bringing in the character. Right. So I think he thought that one year success built around guys that, Frankly, he did not bring in. I think he thought that was the setup cost. I think he thought they had gotten there, they got over the hump, they could use that success to show to be like, now we can get pickier, now we can mm-hmm. bring in our guys. I don't think he realized the setup cost takes longer. You have to go three years of constantly contending to be like, okay, now we're selling guys on. We are always contenders. Mm-hmm. If we want you, you're good enough. We just need to make sure you fit. 
right. like the character of the program. I don't think they spent long enough focusing on the setup costs, focusing on the we need to lower that character standard a little bit because we need to keep the on-field standard this high. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I just, I don't know the, I don't, I realistically and, don't know the future. And also they run to this trap of, hey, if we're going to have the standard for new people we bring in to be this high, we have to be that high of character as coaches, which meant being more hesitant to churn the roster, being more hesitant to bring guys over other, other guys in the transfer portal. Yeah, they, that there was a lot of upperclassmen. Yeah, there was a lot of upperclassmen that had no business being on this roster. Yep. Anyway, anyway, thank you for letting me say my piece. I hope you, you know, I wasn't like. Oh no, I get it. I just, I think I, I need to. I really, that's the question. I need to know what the bar and the standard is, like the 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 bottom of the barrel and the ceiling. I need to know the the medium ground of that because I just feel like they're in a weird spot right now, dude. Like they are in a, it is a like weird. The bottom of the barrel should be three. Baylor should it should never, be this year. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's like. Dave found a way to get to that bottom, but I truly do think that three and nine is the worst anyone should ever go at Baylor. I also the think, worst. like, I honestly think what so doing what it hurts, consistently is what yeah. sounds so outlandish. To I me. just I think it's also the the whole dynamic of how this shaked out shook out was you had year you had year two you had year four success in year two, and you're having like year two success in year four, and that's what's kind of screwed all this. You know, you won, you set the bar so high early on, and then it's, I don't know, it's just throwing everything out of whack. Three and nine is not your, your two success. Three and nine is, an, is something that should be an anomaly. I'm with you there. Like, right. I, I just truly think that Baylor, regardless of coach, three and nine should be an anomaly. And every, it should be. And what I hear about when someone's like dark ages at the program back a decade, <sighs> what I hear when someone's saying that is multiple three and nine seasons. Regardless of who they bring in next, Aranda is dooming that person to multiple three and nine seasons. That's what I hear. That's all I'm trying to say. We'll see. I, it's I don't just, think that's realistic. It may not be realistic, but I think it's you're on the verge right now where you are skidding, skidding downhill. You're two years deep of just failures, and I don't know. It, we'll it, have to see how it shakes out. It's scary, out. but I, I truly sit here, and this is, this is the last thing I'll say before I'll let you wrap it up, and we'll, we'll get off air because we're running long. <laughs> I don't see how one more year of even three and nine dooms the next guy i don't it might not necessarily it's just going to make that whole it's going to it's going it's to make it it's going very to be difficult i just that's that's the storyline i'm hearing that that's the the fear i'm getting from our website the message boards mm -hmm. just the like he is going to doom this program and i'm sitting here being like Everything comes and goes. Baylor will get back towards the top. Now, will they be able to do it consistently? Will right. They, can anyone win consistently in this job? That's a different question for another that's day. A whole different, that's, that's a whole different. That's a whole different. I think that's an interesting Yeah, question. that's something but we have to definitely dive into. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for staying with us as we went a little long. Uh, we'll be back with our picks. We'll take a look. We'll do our picks of the bowl game, or the championship games this week. We'll have those for you as well. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Josh Neighbors will bring the heat as well, as well as Grayson later on this week. Uh, but for Jack, I'm Garrett. This has been the College Chaos Podcast.